It was back in the 1980s, the mid-80s, that I uh, had the privilege of collecting baseball cards. And I would do this with my dad and my brothers, and we would go through the different packs. And some of our favorite players were Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. I know what you're thinking, all the guys that did steroids, right? Those were the guys that, that we just loved. And uh, I remember uh, going to bed at night, and all of our baseball cards were in there, and acting like I was asleep. And my dad would come in, and he'd turn on the light, and he would start sorting the cards and organizing the cards. And uh, I would kind of lay with my hand over my face and peek and just kind of watch him as he was doing this. And it was just so, so much fun. It was something that we did as a family. And it was kind of an investment because at that time, there were rookie cards that were starting to go up in value. And it was something that I wanted to, to just save for the rest of my life. Well, two years ago, I did it. I actually invested and looked up to see how much these cards were actually worth. And I uh, still have a set from 1987. And so I got, uh, went, went online and I thought, man, some of these cards have to be super valuable. And I'm looking at them and it's like, five cents. <laughs> 10 cents. 25 cents. They're not worth a whole lot. But to this day, um, I, I have these cards, and, and I'm not going to give them up. They have an extreme value in my own life because it represents something I did with my father. Now, even though those cards lack very little value monetarily, uh, I want to talk to you today about someone of great value, and that's fathers. It's really all of us. All of us have great value in the eyes of God, but today I really want to speak to men. I really want to speak to fathers. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to raise your hand. I want to, do, uh, want to give a special welcome to those joining us online. So glad that you're tuning in with us. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And if we do a little bit of research on fathers, the reality is, is that in our country... There are millions upon millions of homes where there is no father. If you were to ask people the greatest social issue, the greatest issue in the families today, what's the greatest problem, the greatest need, over 70% of people would respond, a lack of a father in the home. When there is no father, the crime rate is higher, sexual immorality is higher, dropout rate is higher, uh, we could go on and on and on regarding the difference that a father makes. And today I want to turn to the Word of God and see what our perfect father, our heavenly father, has to say about this. Now, chapter 5 of Deuteronomy is all about the law of God, the Ten Commandments. How are we walking in obedience to really the law and the commands of God? So let's stand as we honor the reading of this passage. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It's the word of our heavenly father. It reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Heavenly Father, God, would you help us? 
God, help us to be the, the fathers and the followers that you want us to be. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives. Give us a, a newfound passion and craving to live solely for you. God, speak to us during this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Former President George Bush Sr. was asked a question when he was interviewed one time, and he was asked, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? Now, Bush Sr. could have said it was its success during World War II. He could have said it was his vice presidency under Ronald Reagan, or the fact that he was president in was successful there. It could have been his years as the head of the CIA or as the U.S. ambassador to China. He could have said uh, and talked about his success for Desert Storm. But the way that he answered this question revealed his heart and his priorities. Bush said, my greatest accomplishment is my children. And this was before his son, George W. Bush, became the president. See, it's, it's extremely difficult to be a godly father. But look at the, the scriptures. There's a lot of godly men that struggle to be godly fathers. We, we looked at Eli the priest, and, and, and he was a godly man, but his, his, his sons walked in rebellion against God. I think about Samuel. Samuel was another godly man, but his, his sons walked in disobedience. I think about David. King David was a, a man after God's own heart. I think about his, his sons, Absalom and Amnon, yet they rejected God and they rejected the leadership of their father. And so again, we're reminded again the reality that it is extremely difficult to be a godly father. And I'm so glad that we've got, we've got the word of God. We've got the love letter from our heavenly father that though society changes, God will never change. His word never changes. Heaven never changes. Hell never changes. Salvation never changes. We've got something and someone that is concrete that we can constantly go back to. And so today, as we go through Deuteronomy, what I really want to do is, is I want to share my heart with you. Um, there are so many times in my life from the day that I became a father where I, I just at times feel like a failure. I feel like I've blown it. I feel like I've missed opportunities. I feel like I'm never doing enough. And, and so today, as I encourage you, I realize that it's not about what I do. It's about being the person who God wants me to be. It's about who I need to be. And this is really what I'm pursuing. And I just want to encourage you and invite you to join this pursuit with me. Now, a couple things just, just that we have to get out of the way. For some of us today, it's a little bit difficult because we've always wanted to be a dad and that's not a reality. For some of us, we're a single mom. For, for some of us, we're thinking, how does this relate to me? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a woman, I'm not gonna be a dad. These principles that we're talking about today, if you apply them to your life, you will have an impact to people around you. That's our word for the year, it's impact. So God, how can I focus I'm not doing but being the person that you want me to be and, and watching you impact the, the person around me. So this, this is, is for fathers, but it's not just for fathers today. It's also for followers. And then second of all, for some of us, we're here today and we're shaking our head because this is, this is just a tough day. We look back at our life and we feel like a total failure. We've blown it with our kids. Some of our kids are maybe still in prison. 
We feel like we were a horrible dad. Today is not about looking at the past, don't miss this. It's about focusing on the future and saying, God, you're giving me a new opportunity today. That's where I'm at. I'm not, I don't wanna look back at all the times where I've blown it with my kids. I'm saying, God, thanks for your grace. Thanks for your second chance and help me to be this. And just, just two simple things, but if we can do this, it's gonna have profound implications in our life and in our family. Number one is simply this. Desire, pursue to be committed to God. To be committed to God. To be wholeheartedly committed to God. Now, why is this important? It's important because we live in an uncommitted culture. All right? We are constantly looking for something that's bigger and better. We do this with electronics, our phones, our computers, our cars, our homes, our spouses, relationships. Right when something better comes along, we bail on what we have and we want the next best thing. I see this all the time in the way people respond to me when I ask them, if, hey, can, can you be somewhere? The lack of commitment, I think I can, it, it should work, I'll plan on it. A lack of commitment in our culture. And yet as we look at this passage, Deuteronomy chapter six, four to nine, it's the Shema. Shema literally in the Hebrew is this word here. These, these several verses are known as this prayer that, that the Jewish people still to this day pray morning and night. It's, it's a prayer that says uh, this in verse four. It says, hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, why is that important? At this time when this was written, there was the worship of multiple gods. And we're reminded again today that there is only one God that's worthy of our worship. It's the Father of Jesus Christ. And so we're to be committed in every single area of our life. And there's two ways that we need to demonstrate our commitment, and we see that in this passage. Number one is in loving God. Now this isn't a half-hearted love. This isn't a love that demonstrates 99%. This is a love that is the totality of our being. And I would say for a man, the two areas are the, that are the most difficult are op, often our sexuality and our money. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Heart, heart and soul are, are, are really that totality of your being, your strength at your abilities. Saying we're to love God with, with everything that we are and everything that we have. And Jesus takes it to a whole new level in Matthew. He says, I want you to, when he's asked the greatest commandment, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and he says, with all your mind, which means that the love of God should consume our thoughts. This is what it's like. Kelly and I started dating about 19 years ago. And I remember when we started dating, and little has changed to this day. I just could not stop thinking about her. When am I gonna call her next? When am I gonna see her next? When, I, when am I gonna hug her next? I just couldn't stop thinking about her. Why? Because that's what love does. When we love someone, it consumes our minds. So in this journey of mine, I'm saying, God, God, would you help me be committed to you and love you in a way that consumes all that I am and all that I think about? It's because here's the reality. When we focus on God, we're gonna be filled with gratitude filled with hope, filled with confidence, filled with love. If we focus on ourselves, we're gonna be filled with anxiety, guilt, fear, 
and discouragement. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're to walk in love. Why? Because the reality is, don't miss this, if we're committed to loving God with all of our heart, what will naturally flow is love for people, love for our kids. And those of us that have kids, we know that it is not always easy to love them, right? It'd be rascals. They can be difficult to deal with. Can't return them, can't exchange them, right? Some of us are like, man, I'm looking for the receipt on this one. I just want to take them back and get a different one. But what are we committed to doing? We're, we're committing to loving our kids. Why? Because it flows from our commitment to loving God. But it, it's, it's, it's not always easy to do that. Well, how do we grow in our love for God? You let yourself be loved. God's love for you will never change. We, we allow ourselves to be loved. And that's, that, that's hard, hard to do. In fact, I want, I want you to practice that just right now, all right? We're gonna allow ourselves to be loved. You got 10 seconds. I'm gonna make to- some of you totally uncomfortable right now. 10 seconds to get up and hug somebody, all right? On your marks, get set, go. 10, 9, 8, come on. 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. All right, a couple things I just noticed. Some of you hugged way more than one person, all right? Let me just throw that out there. And we know who the single people are. They ran across the room to hug a random person, all right? But there's something powerful that happens when we allow ourselves to be loved by God. We grow in our love for him. And in doing that, we're going to grow in love for our kids and others. So we're committed to loving God. Second of all, we're committed in obeying God. We're committed in Obeying God, and as people, as our kids see us walk in obedience to God, they're going to be more prone to obey us. Father's Day is the one day where, where my kids totally obey me. <laughs> Say, hey, I don't want anything for Father's Day, and they listen, right? Um, but but, but we, just, we, we, just, we just grow in our obedience, in our, in our love for God. Um, we see several times in Scripture that love always comes before obedience. Why do, why do we obey God? Because we love him. So it says in verse five, that it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, and it says in verse six, and these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. M- meaning dads, it's, it starts with you. It's a, the, the command of following God Walking in obedience, it starts with me. It starts with us. We're to set that example of loving God and obeying God. And we see in Scripture, Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rulers, his rules, his commandments always. Jesus said in John 14.15, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Second John 1.6, And this is love, that we walk in accordance to his commandments. What what do we give God that has everything? We give him love, and that's demonstrated in obedience. Hallie gave me my Father's Day card a couple days early, and and it says this. It says, happy day, Dad. And I open it up. 
It's got a bunch of pink circles. And it says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then on the back, did you like it, Dad? <laughs> and I, I went up to her and I said, I loved it. And here's the reality. When we love God, we're going to obey God. And that's going to be, that's going to be seen. It's going to be obvious where people are going to look at, man, there's, that's somebody that's committed to God. The love, the obedience, even, even obeying when it's not easy. There's going to be this unquestionable devotion because people are watching our commitment to God. Now, there's a coach named Matt Deggs. He's a college baseball coach in Houston. He got fired. That's a really difficult thing to do. But he met Jesus Christ, and his whole philosophy for coaching changed. In fact, here's a brief interview with the coach. It's family. You know, for years I was a transactional coach. What can I get? What can I get? And, uh, when you get fired, it humbles you. I spent 430 days outside the game. Everybody asked, uh, you know, you were here with the Aggies in 2011. No, I wasn't. I was fired. And uh, I just sit there and watch the Aggies play. And God has brought me full circle and changed my life. I was dead, and he saved me. And so I'm a transformational coach now. It's not about wins or losses. It's about love. It's about building men, building relationships that'll last forever. I got a second chance. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. We're about building people up. You know, it's not Mission Omaha. It's Mission Build and Save Lives. And that's what we're in the business of doing. Is that awesome? When's the last time you've heard a baseball coach say that? It's not about wins and losses. It's about mission building and saving lives. Here's what I, what I love about this video. He, he got a second chance. Every single one of us, my, myself included today, we have a second chance to renew our commitment to God. We all, we're all gonna struggle with that the rest of our lives and that's where God's grace kicks in. We need to receive God's grace. We need to walk in God's grace. But that's desperately what I am pursuing in my life right now is to be wholeheartedly committed to God and to demonstrate that through loving him and obeying him and letting my kids just see that and grow in that. The next, next thing I'm committed to being, is in your notes, is just being consistent. It's being consistent. Now, here's why this matters. Inconsistency in our relationship with God communicates hypocrisy. And, I, and I, I struggle with that. I struggle walking in consistency. Inconsistency turns people off and away from Jesus. And so I, I'm working with God's help to be a man wherever I'm at, in any situation, to be just consistent in my walk with Christ. And here's two ways that we need to be consistent. First of all, in what you say. And what you say, verse seven says this, it says, you shall teach them diligently, these commands, to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. It's, it's constantly being consistent in what we say. Now, here, here's, here's the heart and the spirit behind our speech. It says this 
in Ephesians 4.29. Paul says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So as fathers, as followers, we are constantly building people up in the way that we talk with them. And there's two different ways that we're to talk. One is, is we're to continually teach. We're continually to teach. It says, you shall teach them diligently. Diligently, it's the Hebrew word shanan, which literally means to impress the word of God into the hearts of our kids. Now, let me, let me illustrate what this is like. If we're gonna impress this diligently, it's kind of like nailing a nail into their heart or a piece of wood consistently and diligently and carefully. Just constantly ho- hoping that this, this nail will eventually in a straight way penetrate this wood. Hoping that in some way the word of God will penetrate the heart of our kids. It's not carelessly. It's not like, you know, how, think of the damage we do to our kids when we do it in a way that's carelessly. No, it's, it's carefully and consistently and diligently and constantly allowing the word of God to penetrate the hearts of the people that we love. And so we're to have these conversations and we're to teach our kids constantly what the word of God says. What's a biblical worldview? How do we make all of our decisions based upon the word of God, not what our friends think, not what our friends want, not what culture says. It's not about teaching our kids philosophies of the world that end up changing every 10 to 15 years. No, it's, it's, it's how do we funnel every decision in life, every value in life through the word of God. And we're to teach our kids this continually. But not only that, we're to, to continually talk. It says talk, and it gives four different ways. Basically, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you're walking, just constantly talking about the value of the scriptures. And some of us might be here today and we might be thinking, yeah, but my kids don't want to talk to me. And here's what I've realized in my own life. My, my kids will not want to talk to me if I communicate that I'm too busy, if I'm not interested, if I'm too tired, See, I need to, as tired as I am at times, to communicate, hey, if you ever have a conversation you wanna have with me, I'm always ready, I'm always available, I'm always interested. Not only that, I have to be the one that takes the initiative. I have to sit down with Drew and Hallie at times and just process, Hallie, how do you, how do you respond when you're hurt? Because she's gonna deal with that the rest of her life. How do you respond when you're left out when you're lonely? Drew, how do you respond when you fail? Constantly go back to the word of God and then really, as best as I can, live in such a way where when I am left out, when I fail, when I lose, my kids are looking at me and being like, wow, that's what it means to respond in that kind of a way. God's calling somebody. He's got something he wants to say right now. It's continually, it's continually talking. So here's what this looks like. When there's a TV show that's on or you guys are watching a movie, it's pushing the pause button. Saying, okay, uh, you see how that child just responded to their mom? What was wrong? What's the right way to respond? It's using culture 
and talking about the gospel. It, it, it's having these conversations all the time. It, it's in our talk, but notice also in your notes, it's in what people see. So we're going to be consistent. It, it, what comes out of our mouth and how we live our lives need to be the same. It says in verse 8 and 9, it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates. Now, now Scripture was constantly all over the place. They, they had uh, phylacteries, which were little containers of Scripture on their arms, on their foreheads, constantly reminding themselves of the Word of God. Uh, the Mezuzah was a little, little cylinder type thing that was hung on the door. You'd put scripture in there constantly reminding yourself of the word of God. And here's where we get into trouble, where we're constantly talking about the word of God, where we've got scripture all over our house, but we're intentionally living in rebellion. Religious leaders did this in the New Testament. Jesus called them out. He said, don't be like the the Pharisees. Yeah, they've got scripture on their wrist, they've got it on their forehead, but they don't practice what they preach. Yeah, listen to them, but don't follow their example. And so this is just, again, something that I'm working on and something that I'm, I'm asking God to just help me grow in is not just my commitment to him, but, but consistently living for him in every area of my life. And here's the power of the example. It says this in Philippians 4.9. Paul writes this to the church of Philippi. He says, whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace and the God of peace will be with you. That's what I want to say to my kids. You guys, you guys want to learn? Just, just watch me. Not most of the time, not just at church when we're worshiping, not on the way to worship, but at home. Drew Howley, you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Just, just, just watch me. Now, how do we grow in our consistency? Um, for me, it's asking God to just change my desires. And it's doing it one day at a time. So for me to grow, it's just focusing today on how to, my, to live my life as a consistent follower of Jesus. And here's what's gonna happen. Five things will happen if we commit to being committed and consistent in our walk with God, knowing that we're gonna struggle, knowing that we're gonna fail. All of us will, you will, I will. We may do that later today, but here's what's gonna happen, five things. Notice the impact, your family will understand authenticity. Your family is gonna understand authenticity. They're gonna see a, a father or a follower that deeply wants to live for God. They're, they're going to be like, man, you know what? My, my dad's not perfect, but, but man, he has this passion to live for Jesus that I, I just don't see very much. Yes, he makes mistakes. Yes, he messes up at times, but, but he's just real in his pursuit of God. They're going to understand this, this authenticity. And here's what, here's what I've learned in my own life is that I don't need to pretend to be Superman. Here's what I mean by that is I don't need to pretend to be a guy that, that never makes mistakes. I will make mistakes. And of what I've realized is that as a father, as a follower, the best thing that I can do is own my mistakes. Because here's what limits the growth of so many people. 
is when we make mistakes or when we sin or when we fail or when we fall, we will blame others, make excuses, or just pretend it's not even there. I'll say that one more time. We will blame others, make excuses, or pretend it didn't happen or isn't there. There's a fourth option, and this is just an area I'm really trying to grow in, is just own it. Is to apologize and say, you know what, I blew that, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Our kids don't expect us to be perfect, but what will pierce their hearts, what will impact them is when we're authentic. And so just, just even last night, getting on my way, right before I came here to church, Drew was making all these kind of weird noises because that's what a junior high boy does. And I said, Drew, can you please quit being annoying? Because that's what he was being. And he said, Dad, that, hurt, that hurts my feelings. Hurts my feelings. And I looked at him and I just said, son, I'm sorry. I, I don't ever want to do that. What, what, what would you like me to say? He's like, can you just say, Drew, can you please stop? Sure, I'll, I'll do that. So about 30 seconds later, Drew, will you please stop, right? That's just how it kind of went. But I, I, I've, I found it, and so I'll go to my kids, and I'll apologize. Um, several months ago at work, I got, I got home that night. Kelly and I were talking. She's like, how's your week been? I said, it's been, a, it's been a hard week. It's been a humbling week. She's like, why? I'm like, without exaggeration, I do apologize to seven of our staff in two days. You talk about humbling. Lack of planning, lack of communication, being irritable, the whole nine yards. And she's like, well, it could have been worse. It could have been eight, right? Uh, usually she'll ask me how she can pray for me. She didn't ask how she could pray for me that night. And I think she prayed for the staff. But, but, but here's why this is so important and valuable to me. Um, my, my dad, one of the things I remember is that when he made mistakes, which he would, he owned it. He wasn't perfect, but he was humble enough to say, Jeremy, I, I raised my voice. Jeremy got too frustrated. Jeremy got angry. I'm sorry. And he, he said this, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? D didn't excuse it with, but I was tired, but I was frustrated, but you did this. And I, and I, just, I just understood this, this element of authenticity that impacted my life and still does to this day. Second of all, notice the next impact that's going to happen. Your family will see a powerful example, a powerful example. Now, I'm not very good at fixing things. Uh, man card, again, just went out Father's Day weekend, all right? Here's what I do when I need to fix something. I hop on YouTube, all right? How many other guys do that? Come on. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to read some, like, directions for 45 minutes when I can watch a three-minute video. Like, right, why not? So when the pool pump breaks, hop on YouTube. Uh, sprinkler heads break, hop on YouTube. My neighbor has moles, like, turn up their grass, hop on YouTube. Uh, how to get rid of your neighbor's cats when not have anybody know about it? You hop on YouTube, right? That's just the way to do it. Some of you are going to hop on YouTube and look at that, and you're like, Pastor Jeremy's actually the one that made the video. No, it's not going to happen, all right? Um, but if I want to see a powerful example, I want to see it. I want to watch it. That's how I learn best as I'm seeking to be committed and consistent, my prayer is that my kids and others will see a powerful example that will impact them for the rest of their lives. This is what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my, conduct, my aim 
of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. Then down in verse 14, he says, but, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And so that's my prayer for my kids, is, is that they'll see an example. Not an example of somebody that's perfect, but an example of somebody that's pursuing Jesus. I'm gonna mess up, I constantly do, I constantly will. But I want my kids to see a, a guy that's just deeply pursuing Jesus. The third thing that's gonna happen is that your family is gonna to see the, the value of a godly heart. The value of a godly heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, but keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In other words, guard your heart. Guard, guard, guard your heart. And here, here's why this is so significant. Don't miss this. We live in a culture where we are constantly complimenting people, recognizing people, recognizing our kids based upon what they do. Hey, great job in your ball game. Great job with your grades. Great job with that performance. And, and here's what, what God has just been teaching me is the value of just my own heart and the need to make that right before, before God. That's why David, when David committed adultery, he didn't just say, God, would you, would you change my behavior? God, would you, would you help me not to do that again? He said, God, would you create in me a clean heart? Why? Because from our hearts comes every action in our life. So here's what I'm beginning to do with my kids, is when I see them do something, I don't compliment the action, I compliment the heart. Hey, Drew, I love your heart when you talk to mom that way. Hey, Hallie, your hair, it's pretty, but it's not as beautiful as your heart. That's what, that's what I want my kids to see. I want them to know that it's not about what they do, it's about who they are. It's not about what you do. It's who you are because who you are will impact everything that you do. So thirdly, I, I want them to see the value of a godly heart. Two more things. I want them to experience security. I want them to experience security. What do I, what I mean by that? Lo love allows there to be great security. I am so secure in my walk with Christ because I know that there's nothing I could ever do that would cause him to love me any less. I am constantly, he's constantly shoveling a lot of grace at me because I need it. And all of my mistakes, my failures, the things, times where I blow it, I'm so just secure in my relationship with God. And I want my kids to be secure in their, not just their relationship with God, but their relationship with me. I want my kids to know that there's nothing that they could ever do that would change the way that I love them, that would separate the love that I have for them. In fact, if you wanna be somebody that has great relationships, a great marriage, a great family, great friendships, where, the, where there's security, communicate love. Knowing that your friends can never do anything that's gonna just destroy that friendship destroy that relationship. One of the reasons why um, my wife and I are so secure that there's nothing that we could ever do that would change the love that we have for each other. 
We, we absolutely, now, now it doesn't mean it's always going to be a bed of roses. It doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. It doesn't mean that there's going to be hurt or pain or disappointment. But in the midst of that, there's still security because that's what love provides. And we can experience that because of our love that we have from God. To walk in that love and to return that love and to, to be blessed by that love. And then fifthly, your family will enjoy freedom. Freedom, why, why freedom? Because our lovingly heavenly Father gives us boundaries. Where when we walk in the midst of those boundaries, there is great freedom, there is great joy, there is great fun. Some people have this view of God, that God is an angry old man. And he tells us, hey, don't, don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't be getting drunk. Don't steal all of these things because he just, just doesn't know how to have fun. No, God wants what's best for us. And so when we walk in those boundaries from the word of God, we experience great freedom. When our kids walk in the boundaries that we put before them, there is great freedom. That's why you tell your kids, hey, don't, don't play in the street. That's a boundary because if you do, you'll get hurt. Because if you step outside the boundaries of God, you will eventually get hurt. But in the midst of those, there is great freedom. James puts it this way. James 1.25 says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, some translations say the law of freedom, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's made great freedom. Boy, we can have an impact as fathers and followers as we pursue to be committed and be consistent. Now here's the reality, is that we're gonna fall. If you're like me, you'll probably fall in the next day or two. You'll end up doing something that you wish you wouldn't have done, um, you'll regret, but in the midst of that, we receive God's grace, we walk in God's grace, and here's the last point in your notes, is when you fall, don't stop getting up. Because we all will, and that's where God's grace is all about. Don't stop getting back up as a father and as a follower. Now, it was in the 1992 Olympics. There was the 400-meter uh, sprint, and there was a guy named Derek Redman that pulled his hamstring, and he, he literally was hobbling. How many of you remember watching that live on television? Now, here's why I love this video. His father gets out of the stands and helps him across the finish line. And there's a point where somebody tries to tell the dad, hey, you can't help your son. And he turns at him and is like, don't tell me what to do. I love this. In fact, check it out. We got it right here.
Isn't that cool? As much as I love that part of the father telling that other guy off, my, my favorite part of that video is that the father met the son right where he was at. He got out of the stands, got out of the bleachers, and met his son right where he was at. And that's what God does for every single one of us. It doesn't matter where we're at. We could be in a great season. We could be in a horrible season. We could be in the most difficult season of our life. The power of the gospel is that Jesus came down from heaven to meet us right where we're at, to forgive us of our sins, to give us life, life to the full, and the security of heaven. Now, I don't know where you're at today, but two things that I'm committing my life to is, is being committed and being consistent, and that's where it starts, is saying, God, I wanna be committed to you. I wanna be committed to Jesus. And that's easier to do when we understand that Jesus is committed to every single one of us. Let's bow and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being such a loving, and gracious Father. For your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your second chances, for your help. God, thanks for, thanks for helping me in my pursuit and desire to be a godly father, even though, God, there's times where I just fail a lot. And yet your grace is right there with me. Your grace is right there with all of us. Thank you for the second chance you're giving us today to live lives that are committed to you. We're just trying to be consistent as we follow you. With all heads bowed, nobody, nobody looking around, but you're here today and you've maybe strayed from God um, or you've never surrendered your life to God. And you say, you know what, I need to commit my life to following God. I need to, to recommit my life to God I wanna encourage you to do that right now. And uh, it's not the words of the mouth, it's the attitude of the heart. It can go something like this. Dear God, I need, I need to, to commit my life to you. I need to recommit my life to you. God, I've never done that, I've strayed. Forgive me. I give you total control of my life. Make me into the person that you want me to be. God, I repent from my sin and I turn to you. And I want you to call the shots from this day forward. I need your salvation and your grace and your mercy. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but if you're here today and you need, to, you need to commit your life to God, you need to recommit your life to God, would you just raise your hand real tall and look at me wherever you're at? You say, I need that, I want that. Good, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Just raise them real high, those hands over there, those hands over here, good. You're here today and you need to commit your life or recommit your life. Just raise your hand real tall and look at me wherever you're at. Is there anybody else? Good, hands all over the room. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have, have raised their hands today, communicating surrender to you. God, thank you that today is another opportunity to live for you. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Hey, can we appreciate all those that committed or recommitted their lives to Jesus Christ? Hey, our prayer team is going to be up here. If you made a decision of any kind, we would love for you to write that down on a Cove card and bring that up and meet with one of our prayer team members. We would love to pray for you. Hey, we have food in the ministry mall. We've got a bunch of guys that are going to be doing the obstacle course and wiping out, which is just going to be fun to watch. So happy Father's Day. Glad you're here. Have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you next week.